customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Spin Rate presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. That's right, this is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and this is the place where we talk about your Toronto Blue Jays. Here on The Athletic, we do it twice a week. On the weekend, at the end of the weekend, I guess, to start the week, Caitlin McGrath and I. Caitlin, you, of course, record covering the Blue Jays for The Athletic. What, what, her her ever-rotating title. She's a journalist, reporter, writer. She covers the team, and she does it with skill and aplomb. Today, I have a special guest host. You've heard him before on this show and various iterations previously. We form one of the more formidable uh, batteries in all of Toronto Men's Baseball League history um, in that uh, we just keep trying, even though results, well, the results are fine on the pitching side. The hitting side, not so much. Mr. Jonah Bierenbaum. Jonah, thank you for taking the time to join me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I uh, am sorely lacking in terms of both skill and aplomb compared to Caitlin McGrath, but I will do my best. No, no. I mean, I won't, I won't lie. That's true. But yeah. uh, our battery may be broken up. It doesn't look like I'm going to be able to play this year, uh, men's league baseball, which is why people will come to listen to the show when you are on so that we can regale everyone with, with our glories uh, on the, the dusty fields of uh, Smythe Park. So I'm pitching on Saturday, mm. and I can't even articulate how devastated I am that I won't have you behind the plate. I imagine it is similar to what Clayton Kershaw experienced when A.J. Ellis was traded to the Phillies shortly before the 2016 trade deadline. Uh, you know, not that it's it's in any way appropriate to, to liken myself to Clayton Kershaw, but in terms of what he experienced, how distraught he was, that's I that's what I'm going through. I don't think that's unfair to say. I think that that is uh, reflective of our relationship. A rapport. Our rapport. It is probably worth noting that um, Clayton Kershaw hasn't won a Cy Young Award since... You know, 
Not not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. I mean, <laughs> sure, he was extremely good in 2017. Sure, he won. They won the World Series in in 2020. Uh, but not 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 the same guy without AJ Ellis. A little bit like John Lester and uh, the other guy, his catcher, David Ross. David Ross, or a David little Ross, bit, a little bit. You might say like Hunjin Ryu and and Danny Jansen, or so I it would, would seem, ostensibly. That that might be a little bit more accurate, and I think it's a little bit more on topic. Like you're doing the work here for us. Uh, before we do move on, I of course want to say that if you want to read, we've already been uh, showering Caitlin McGrath with praise. If you want to read what she writes, what everybody writes on the Athletic, you're going to want to go to theathletic.com/spinrate and subscribe. Subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the to, to the Athletic. Get all of the trade deadline stuff. Get all of the draft stuff. The draft is this weekend. After while well, Jonah is icing his arm, he'll be checking out who the Blue Jays will take late uh, in the first round uh, while the Orioles are excitedly looking who will be the next young prospect they can bring into their fold and promptly screw up um, with a with a high pick here in the 2021 draft so you want to subscribe to the athletic you can get everything that everybody writes Keith Law Ken Rosenthal you want to read about yeah again this is a great place to go in when the when the Blue Jays are active on the trade market like right now there's so much coverage from the other writers uh if you want to get an understanding of the perspective from Milwaukee if you want to figure out what the Blue Jays are going to do when they make a trade with Texas when the Joey Gallo trade comes down you can read uh Levi Weaver uh 32 Ephus there on Twitter you can read what he's got to say Jamie, uh, Jamie Newberg, you can read about what he's got to say about the Joey Gallo trade that Jamie Newberg doesn't seem like he's too uh, enthusiastic about the idea. He's been advocating that the Rangers extend Joey Gallo, which will make it difficult for them to trade him to the Blue Jays, which is what I want um, more than anything in the world. But subscribe to The Athletic. If you subscribe to The Athletic, you can get this show ad-free if you're a subscriber. You listen to it through The Athletic app. No ads, no ad reads whatsoever. You don't have to subscribe to The Athletic to subscribe to our show, of course. We have, are going to implore you to do that. But if you want to get this show on your regular podcast uh, catcher of choice, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever. Search for Spin Rate. Give us a like or a review. Subscribe, of course. Tell your mom. Do that as well. And give us a review if you've got one. Uh, and we would appreciate it. And uh, we thank you for listening, as always, as we always do. But now... Here, the Blue Jays, a couple more this series, and then they'll be they'll uh, go into Tampa, I believe, for one more before the All Star break. But not without a little bit of news, not a little bit lighter in their traveling party. Although they have been lighter from this particularly husky lad of late, the Blue Jays this week traded Roddy Telez to the Milwaukee Brewers in exchange for now reliever. What's his name? Trevor Richards. Trevor Richards. I've mistakenly referred to him as Trevor Rogers like 40 times already, but it is Trevor Richards. Trevor Rogers is better, good. He used to be good. Did he play for, did he play for the Twins or something That's like that? That's Taylor Rogers, who I believe oh, is Trevor Rogers' brother. It's all very confusing. Right. There is a Trevor Rogers who plays for Miami. He is a starter. He's one of the bad starters. Oh, no, he's good. What the hell, man? How do the the Marlins get so many good starters, and they're still bad? He's having a great well, year. Well, they have zero good Damn. hitters. And also, Sixto Sanchez is a non-factor, and we'll miss the remainder of the season. Yeah. Nonetheless, the guy the Blue Jays acquired is Trevor Richards, who was just recently traded from the Rays to Milwaukee in the uh, the great, uh, what's his name? Willie Adams. 
trade, another trade that, that the the Rays have lost. Bowden Francis is also in the trade. Can't say that I know too much about Bowden Francis, but this is a big. The biggest thing is, of course, the loss loss for the Blue Jays of Rowdy Telez. I saw some one person in particular saying that that they that the Blue Jays sold low on Telez, which is true, but also. I don't think that you could hope to get do much better than you've done with Rowdy Telez, given that his his track record as a big league hitter, unfortunately, is really spotty. His track record as a hitter in the upper levels of the minor leagues even is pretty spotty. Like he doesn't have tremendous success at AAA. He did have one strong season a half decade ago in Double A, but you have to consider that Northeast Delta Dental Stadium, where New Hampshire plays, is incredibly favorable to left-handed power hitters. So that is a bit of a mitigating factor there. Um, And I think that the Blue Jays dealt from, you know, a a reservoir of, of, you know, a guy who was essentially superfluous and got a controllable reliever who in his first full season as a reliever is having considerable success and considerable success missing bats is a big win. It addresses a need immediately. Um, and potentially moving forward as well, because he's, you know, still pre-arbitration, multiple years of control left, and uh, could be a, a solid piece for this bullpen moving forward. Not necessarily a seventh, eighth, ninth inning guy, but uh, a guy certainly who's more trustworthy than some of the guys they've been rolling out in medium leverage spots for the majority of 2021. There, the Blue Jays in the bullpen are stacking up guys that a you can at least trust, and b just giving themselves options for maybe not the ninth inning, maybe the eighth inning, but really it's just number one. They're giving teams. They're, they're, I wouldn't say they're. I mean, I would say they're copying the Rays, but it's not like the Rays were the first to have a bullpen full of guys with different looks. Of course, those great Giants teams, 2010, 2012, 2014, they, they had guys coming at you from all angles, kind of left, Javier Lopez, left-handed sidearm sort of guy. Uh, the Blue Jays are, are maybe not replicating that, but they have guys that offer different looks. They have guys that, that can do different things. Uh, Trevor Richards has come with his reputation as this great change-up pitcher, not unlike another right-handed pitcher the Blue Jays acquired from Milwaukee in exchange for our left-handed first baseman DH. That trade was a little bit, I had a little, the, the, of course, Marco Estrada, Adam Lynn trade, a little bit different. Lind has a, had a terrific, frankly, track record. And he continued to hit. Adam, I'm going to ask you something. You probably know this. What do you think was Adam Lynn's weighted on base or, or uh, OPS plus in his last season in the big leagues? I would say it was like 130 or something outrageous like that. It was 122. Yeah. He was 22% better than a league average hitter. In, was that with the Red Sox or the Nationals? Who was that with? It was with the Nationals. Yeah. It was with the Nationals. He had uh, played. So he was only playing. He was a platoon hitter, right? He's, he's, he's the, the good side of, of a platoon. The poor Nationals tried him in the outfield a little bit, played him at first base. Obviously, he's, he's probably best cast as a DH. But like... That's a good season. And then I think he went to he went to camp with the Red Sox and didn't make the team and then was like, you know what? I think I'm good. And then off he went. But uh, shout out to Adam Lind. He had a really good career. He had a good career. Nice career. You, you, a lot of guys, 12 wins above replacement for his career. Career OPS, just a shade under 800. Guy had 200 home runs in the show. Can you imagine? Like as a normal person. 
From Indiana, of all places? The pride of Muncie. He had one season where he must have had a 900 OPS with the Blue Jays and like 35 home runs. He like truly, just a he, monster year. He truly did. He truly did. So, yeah, he had 35 home runs in 2009, 932, like 141 OPS plus, like a very 305, 375, 62. He got MVP votes. Yeah, that's a win. stupid good season. He's a great, he, he could hit. He, it's all he ever did. Yeah. Unlike, unfortunately, Roddy Tellez. Adam Lind, Adam Lind didn't have, you know, those sort of like little gaps um, in his in his career progression. And, and, and where, which Tellez has had, right? If you look at Roddy Tellez's kind of body of work, you've got 200 plate appearances of like really good. And you've got 500, 500 plate appearances of bad or 560 plate appearances of bad. And that that matters, right? You, that we can all look back on that's the stretch that he was putting together in, in the middle of a sixty game season before he got hurt, and and that's what teams dream, dream on when they trade. And if they're the, the Brewers, they're trading from a, just like the Blue Jays from a position of of uh, of depth. They're trying to give themselves more options. First base has been a real problem for the Brewers. I think Daniel Vogelback is a. Uh, Another beefy boy is is a hurt. Uh, Keston Hira is uh, can't hit, can't play defense. Good to no one. Even though his swing's great, I don't know how he's bad, but he hits baseball's hard. But uh, it's a shame to lose Telez because he seems like a guy that everybody likes. Uh, really easy to cheer for. Um, and maybe like God, maybe he maybe he becomes David Ortiz. And if you're the Blue Jays, and if you're a Blue Jays fan, you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with the idea that he might go and figure it out and be a big, burly first baseman DH who has a nice long career. If you're a fan, you hope for it. I'm sure the team does. They hope that he can go out and be that because that potential, however slim, exists. I suppose it does. I mean, I, I think that the track record against major league pitching and, again, in the upper levels of the minor leagues is pretty uh, dubious. Um, but absolutely look, the, the, the blue Jays are a team that is trying to compete right now. They're trying to win a world series in 2021 based on their deployment of resources. Uh, and just based on how talented this team are, this is the kind of move that they should be making. And I think that long-term too, it was very hard to see Rowdy Telez uh, really cementing himself in a meaningful role for this team because Vlad Guerrero jr. Is the first baseman for the next at least half decade. Like he has cemented himself at that position, which means that Rowdy Telez at best was going to be in contention for an everyday DH job. And you have to hit at such a high level to do that, uh, to, to, to compel Charlie Montoyo to forego using the DH spot as an opportunity to get guys days off their feet that I, I just think that it was highly unlikely that Rowdy Telez was going to be a, a meaningful piece for this team long-term uh, once Vlad Guerrero, once Vlad Guerrero uh, moved over uh, permanently to first base and the fact that he was absolutely horrendous at the plate uh, this year, uh, albeit in a small sample, uh, only uh, reinforced uh, their, um, the, the fact that he was expendable here. I mean, if he comes out and hits like he has, or had like he did in 2020, for example, or even 2018 when he came up as a rookie and kind of had that uh, lovely, delightful little cameo down the stretch. Uh, they probably aren't making this trade today, or if they are, they're getting a little bit more in return for Trevor Richards. But they're also probably, they might not make that trade because if they have, if he's hitting like that and he is playing every day and he is forcing the team to keep him in the lineup, Maybe he's not the piece to go. Maybe this this trade happens for it's Randall Grichik that's going the other way, or it's Lourdes Gurriel Jr., whatever it might be. 
Yeah, I think they would have loved for Rowdy Telez to emerge as a key piece of their lineup. I think they'd love to have more balance because they're extremely right-handed heavy. And I think that they would love to not have to use both Randall Gritchick and Lourdes Gurriel every single day. But the fact of the matter is Rowdy sort of took that decision out of their hands by being unplayable. He didn't hit against right-handed pitching uh, and his, his plate appearances didn't even look competitive. Like he did not at all resemble the version of himself that he did over the, the, the truncated 2020 season where he didn't even play all 60 games because he got injured uh, down the stretch there. And would it have been nice for the Blue Jays to see him produce and him become a, a big part of their lineup and, and give them more balance and uh, make it a little bit, uh, easier for Charlie Montoyo to deploy his bench with a little bit of confidence. And, you know, hell, I mean, just have one decent hitter on his bench. Um, but that didn't happen. It didn't happen. And, you know, this is a team that uh, at this point, given where they are on the wind curve, uh, they they can't really afford to wait for the breakout. They have immediate needs that need to be addressed uh, because they can't squander this 2021 season. Uh, you know, the, uh, who knows what you're going to get next year out of second base with Marcus Semyon, uh, an impending free agent. Uh, you know, you can't bank on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. putting up a 200 OPS plus next year. There's a lot of uh, really, really key um, individual performances that the Blue Jays uh, can't squander this year. Um, and, you know, they're they're only... Four games back of a, of a wild card spot. This is a team that uh, should be doing whatever they can uh, to ensure that they get into the postseason this year. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, within reason, they shouldn't be mortgaging uh, the future. But I think increasingly they saw Rowdy Telez as a superfluous or peripheral part of their future and not a guy that uh, uh, was worth hanging on to given uh, the, the deficiencies that they have in their bullpen. I guess that that's the next question is... You know, as you and I speak here, we are recording on Wednesday night, as we often do. The Blue Jays are up big on the wretched Baltimore Orioles, which is uh, exactly what needs to happen. But at the same time, those very same Toronto Blue Jays, I believe, are nine games out of first place in their division. Yeah, if they pull this one off, which... In all likelihood, they will. They'll be eight games back because Baltimore lost today uh, to the Angels for a second day in a row. So Boston. Pardon me, Boston. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, I don't know if you watched Shohei Otani pitch uh, last night. I did. He pitched very 
very well. It was very un-Otani like. It wasn't a million strikeouts and it wasn't a million splitters. I think I'm surprised even that he throws a splitter as much as he does because without the sticky stuff on his fingers, it's not quite the same pitch. He does not have the same command of it as he has, but I, th- I think against a lineup like Boston, where you have Verdugo, really good left-handed hitter, Devers, really good left-handed hitter, he, he kind of needs that weapon at mm-hmm. his disposal. But but he was his fastball command was amazing last night. Mm-hmm. Just this look, this is I'm doing this with you because I know that I can, and and Caitlin's not here to steer this back on the right track to let let this become the Otani podcast that it is dying to become uh he was really really good last night though like really impressive and, and in a different way like not again not not as overpowering but like so much soft contact which he gets anyway like nobody squares him up and there were a few doubles that was the whole thing the, the kind of this joke in the game that it was like lead off double for you know the top and bottom of every inning but he really wasn't getting hit that hard uh he got a awesome great break with an amazing catch by Juan Lagares but uh if he can pitch, if he pitches like that, even though he's not striking out, you know, everybody, uh, like they should just give him the MVP now because it's like a foregone conclusion. It's absolutely a foregone conclusion. Like, I mean, you, you've said it, I'm sure, uh, you know, infinite number of times, but it's, it's, the, it's the most, this is probably the most incredible season that has happened in baseball history ever. Mm-hmm. Like and it's and, and I don't even say. know if there's a a, a close second. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has like four more home runs than literally Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And, he and he's that? pitched to a three point five ERA over thirteen starts and is striking out like twelve batters per nine innings. It just it beggars belief. Um, and as you alluded to, even when he's not at his best and blowing guys away, he's still managing contact quality at such a high level and it's 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 stupid like it's i i've run out of words i i I don't know what to say anymore other than this is superhuman and he he's he's not of this world it's uh the last thing i'll say on this is that people love to it's love to because it's easy to criticize baseball for not doing enough and not marketing its stars and trout isn't the household name that he should be I think they've done all that they've they can with Otani. They if he's starting, the Angels are the free game of the day on MLB TV. They push them onto onto YouTube. He's gonna it's gonna be the Otani weekend all weekend at All Star Weekend. They're gonna let him hit and play. Uh, I, I think you know as I I said it on on Twitter and then Mark Gubazon on the broadcast last night was saying the exact same thing. Like let him lead off. Let him start the game. Let him let him face Fernando Tatis Jr. and then let him go in and and dig in against Jacob Degrom. Like you, I mean, it's it's Kevin Cash is ostensibly trying to win the game, but like this is it. Like that that's how you win the game if you can do that. If he can strike out Tatis Jr. and uh, whoever else Acuna and somebody else, and then he can by some miracle hit a home run off of Jacob Degrom, like. That's the thing. Those are the things that last forever, right? Like that's like the Pedro striking out five guys in a row or whatever that the 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 all star stuff that just people will always remember. Yeah. So, and, and that's how you also compel casual fans or even non baseball fans to engage. It's like mm-hmm. here is this literal unicorn who is going to pitch for the American League in the all star game. He's going to start and he's going to bat lead off. Like mm-hmm. I don't know how you resist that. You know, as a, as a casual fan, 
resist and casual fans, I think, are the, the theme, though, that we should, we're going to pursue when it comes back to the Toronto Blue Jays mm-hmm. because the Los Angeles Angels, with Shohei Otani dragging them by the scruff of their neck awesome. without Mike Trout, are two games behind the Blue Jays in the wild card standing. And the Angels are dog shit. Terrible. They have no pitching outside of Otani. Dylan Bundy, who was so good for them, they've had to move him into the bullpen. Andrew Heaney, who I think pitched well today, but has been awful. The Blue Jays are, are a good team. Right, they're good. They're 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 uh, run differential. Any that any any way you want to break that down, it's as good as anybody. They have a better run differential than the Rays. They have a better run differential than the Red Sox. They have a hundred. They're like eighty win- runs ahead of the Yankees, and the Yankees are a half game behind them in the standings. The fact of the matter is, as as you said, and we've said on this show a hundred times, they need to do something to 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 not squander this season. But the question is, is it too late? Are there too many teams ahead of them or too many rungs on the ladder to climb to get and to secure a postseason spot to make any more risky trades where you're giving up control, where you're giving up guys that could contribute on next year's even presumably even better or equally strong Blue Jays team? Is it worth making? Is it worth that risk? Well, I don't think they've made a risky trade yet. Not yet, um, but that's that's what they'd have to think about next if that's what they want to do. Yeah, and and I think that given how remote of a possibility winning the division is at this point, um, I don't anticipate them giving up any long term assets for rentals. Certainly, like I, you know, as much as I want them to trade for Nelson Cruz, for instance, uh, or a Max Scherzer type, uh, you know star level talents on expiring deals. I don't see that happening, but I think that you could see them moving long-term assets for controllable pieces who can contribute now and in 2022 and potentially beyond. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that's what they, they should be doing. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily think that it's foolish or imprudent if they did go out and move, say, a Jordan Groshans for a Nelson Cruz, but I don't anticipate them doing that at this point. Yeah, Nelson Cruz is weird because he's such a good player, but it's like, again, you're sort of piling on and and some of the things that make the Blue Jays tick, and I think in 20... And truth, you know, if you ask me honestly, 2021, the value of the flexibility of that DH spot, I think, is something that the Blue Jays can't overstate with guys like George Springer who have a hard time staying on the field, um, with, you know between Bo Bichette, Marcus Simeon, like they're, they, these are guys that want to play every day, want to be in the lineup every day. You need to balance that and also give them the opportunity to kind of get off their feet a little bit. Uh, I, I think that, that a player like Cruz specifically locking him in, uh, locking that DH spot in for the season could be more trouble than it's worth um, um, in that case. But, but the other side of that is like, who are they, who would they be bidding against for Nelson Cruz? I guess is the question who is dying to have their DH spot filled i mean houston has you know they've got uh yuli guriel who gets some time there i guess uh, jordan alvarez gets some time in there as well they're not exactly wanting for a dh is it chicago right are, are the white Sox going to make a move to for a dh considering the guys that they've coming back and maybe those same things that might appeal for those so yeah I'm maybe so you sure. can get maybe you can get nelson cruz for a little bit less than you think as a rental but no sorry go ahead no, it's, 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 I absolutely think so, especially considering I don't think the 
twins can extend him a qualifying offer because he've all, he's already been extended a qualifying offer once in his career. So mm-hmm. they're liable to just let him walk for nothing at season's end, unless they're prepared to re-sign him, but I'm not going to presume that they are. Um, so that also makes the potential acquisition cost lower. So, yeah, I mean, he's, look, he's just one example, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, ultimately the point is, um, yeah, it's it's probable that the Blue Jays have worked themselves into too big of a hole for the Blue Jays to entertain impact rentals um, at at long-term cost. But I think that they would be very amenable to exploring a deal for someone like Joey Gallo, who has one more year of control, someone like, you know, Jose Ramirez, Cleveland has now fallen back to 500 and they're even further back from the second wildcard spot uh, than the Blue Jays are. Um, you know, I, I think that those are the deals that they're probably going to explore, certainly, uh, if not aggressively pursue in the next few weeks. And if none of those come to fruition, that I could see them taking a similar approach to last year where, you know, they add some complementary pieces who help optimize the roster, but at minimal long-term cost, guys who mm-hmm. maybe have, you know, a, a more dubious track record, guys, you know, last year, like Robbie Ray, who was in the midst of a terrible season, guys like Jonathan VR, um, you know, those, those kinds of moves that, you know, aren't necessarily the sexiest, but still help. Well, let's get sexy though, then. Let's, let's think about the, the sort of deals that you have alluded to in terms of the a guy that might have a bit more control, a guy that might have a bit more time sort of uh, uh, still on their, on their contract, uh, you know, contract control remaining. Uh, maybe, you know, the, the kind of names I throw Joey Gallo out there liberally, you know, Jose Barrios is the name that's, that's, uh, that's, on, that's out there often. What are the kind of, what kind of pieces are you as a Blue Jays, if, if you're the Blue Jays front office, who are you willing to let go for in this place, in these in these instances? And the name I'll the name I'll, I'll maybe I'll start you with. I'm going to give you a name and say, is this a guy that you would use to get these these deals done, or is this a guy you consider to be a part of the future? And that's Alejandro Kirk. I would explore deals involving Kirk for a controllable impact player. Absolutely, and to, to sort of preempt. Um, your follow-up, the only guys who I would be reluctant to even consider in deals where um, you're, you're getting back, um, you know, a controllable impact player would be Austin Martin, Gabriel Moreno, and Alec Manoa, who's contributing at the big league level presently. Mm-hmm. I've already absolutely- dismissed him as a trade candidate altogether. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, he's, like- he's not on the table for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alonjo Kirk, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Kirk fan. I think he should be on the active roster today. Uh, I think he's the best catcher on the Blue Jays 40 man roster, uh, in spite of his defensive deficiencies, I think he's that good offensively. And I think the Blue Jays alternatives are that bad offensively, but given their wealth of catchers at the big league level on the precipice of the big league level, I would absolutely explore a deal, consider a deal where the centerpiece or one of the centerpieces was Alejandro Kirk. I would I would say that he's got more value than any of their other catchers in terms of a, as, as a piece to move. Even Gabriel Moreno, really, who has because there's because he has the right kind of mystery. He has the right kind of allure in that he has in seventy one plate appearances, mind you, hit at the big league level, which Moreno has not done. 
And and while Mourinho is is has has a ton of helium, he's really shooting up the kind of, the kind of depth chart, really shooting up the kind of prospect list. Again, I'm not so worried about the the, the prospect listy stuff as much as like there's obviously a lot of attractiveness in ter- in, in in him as a as a as a as a piece in the big leagues. But to get from Double A and then to Triple A and then Triple A to the big leagues, I think that that. There's still that element of show me, show me what you that you can do it. And, and I think, for example, like when the Blue Jays traded Travis Darno, for example, they traded Darno at that level where there there was still a bit of mystery, and his, it, it took him a while to get going and sort of establish himself as a big league uh, hitter. But but this is, I think, to trade Kirk, who you can trade him to a team that's not awful, right? You don't have to trade him to a Baltimore or somebody else because because they're like. We don't need to. We don't want to worry about five years from now. You can maybe trade a guy like Kirk to a place like I don't know, maybe like Texas or somewhere that might think that they're closer to getting a uh, like a, a their their core back on the uh, back on the field. A, a, a team that that might not be thinking like, well, we're going to be good in twenty twenty five. Because and the other thing about Kirk is, I think I can't help but think that the Blue Jays and I've said this before, and I, I, I'd love to hear what you think. The way the Blue Jays have handled Kirk, I think, suggests that they are wary of managing his value and wary of of his long-term potential at the big leagues. Not not afraid of, but kind of being like, let's use these bullets now. This is not likely to be a guy that's going to hit free agency as like a sought-after free agent, given all of the 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 what's the word I'm looking for. All of the risk in his profile. I think maybe I'm reading into that, but I think that the way the Blue Jays handle him suggests that they're a little bit, you know, they've been very specific and careful in how they've handled him publicly. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if they're, and I don't even know if this is the right characterization, reluctant to expose him because they, believe that he will be exposed as say an inferior catcher or someone who just physically can't withstand the rigors of a major league season because of his body type. But I I do get the impression that they are far more bearish on his long-term projections than maybe some Blue Jays fans are myself included uh, because of the struggles behind the plate. And also uh, the, 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 absolute bitch that it is catching and being an everyday catcher in the big leagues and how hard it is to do that job at a high level and how his body type is going to make it all the more difficult. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that if they had an opportunity to move him for a piece who can contribute now and into the future and maybe didn't have as much risk in the profile, maybe doesn't have as, as much upside, um, but doesn't have as much risk in the profile, given that, you know, they're still evidently pretty high on Danny Jansen and also obviously on Moreno. I think that they would definitely explore that. But are they like necessarily, you know, terrified of of exposing him? I, I don't think that that's it. Because look, I mean, I think that they've actually been pretty ag- aggressive with their assignments with him. Like, it's not like he has mm-hmm. a ton mm-hmm. of experience in the lower levels of the minor leagues before they were like, okay, you know what? This kid can hit. Let's get like last year, you know, it's like, okay, maybe he's only played a few games above high a let's get him to the big leagues. Um, and you know, this year he, he breaks camp with the team, despite a very, very minimal track record of playing at a, a high level. Um, and you know, they did that. 
Um, so, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that I agree with that point, but I do get the impression that maybe they're not as high on him long-term as some of us are. I don't think that I, and, and, and I think that if you're listening to this, it might sound as though a, we, or I am down on Kirk or that the team is down on Kirk. I think when you have a, a player like that, they're very, they are unique. I, that's for me, it's like a smoke them if you got them sort of thing. Like, He's going to come up and he's going to hit. And if his bat gets slower or his body breaks down, the value goes to pieces. So go and hit until you can't. You know what I mean? And if, and if then if he becomes if he becomes a guy who has a long career, awesome. You're way ahead of the game. And if not, I'm glad that you got big league checks and we got big league uh, hits out of you when you had him in you. So so it's again not to not to run him down. I don't think it's a it's to no. uh, to speak ill of him, but uh, I think it's more of just a just a different kind of appreciation for what it is that he has now and in the future. Uh, maybe the other one, I guess I'll, Oh, sorry. You, you have, no, I just, I just want to say, I just want to say, I, I think that I would give that theory more credence. If like two weeks from now, he's still absolutely raking in triple a and mm-hmm. Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire are in concert, giving you nothing offensively. And they're still not calling him up. Then maybe I'll, I'll buy into that notion that they're, they're very, carefully uh managing how much exposure he gets uh, particularly at this time in the in the calendar so maybe managing exposure isn't exactly what i meant i think the point of bring putting him on the on the opening day roster is a good one it's like they're not they're not managing him as an asset i think is maybe the the other way i'm looking at it in that respect where it's like bring him up now like let him hit put him on the 40 man start his clock all that sort of stuff. Not worried about him becoming a super two. Not you know whether or not that's going to exist down the road. Not worried about about when he's going to get mm. to free agency. It's just like if he's got hits in his bat, let's get him out now because we because they might they may or well be they could well be in a finite supply. Mm-hmm. So get him out while he's got them. Don't let him waste. Yeah, it's great if he goes to AAA and has like a eleven hundred OPS uh, and he's quote you know Dick Fingers learning how to call games from from catching, I don't know, Thomas Hatch or whoever, but there's way more opportunity for him at the big league level to, to flex what he can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think that a front office can only play the service time manip- manipulation game so much. Like at some point, you know, the, the number one priority has to be maximizing wins at the big league level. And that's why I believe they did that last year. It was like, okay, Danny Jansen is giving us nothing. Uh, Reese McGuire isn't giving us anything. We need Alejandro Kirk on the big league roster because he can hit. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely hear what you're saying about them sort of throwing that kind of caution to the wind in terms of how they manage him as an asset. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you make some interesting points for sure. That's patronizing. You think I'm an idiot. No. I know you you too well. They're like, oh, yeah, you make some interesting points. That's bullshit. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, now, if you want to get into some real bad takes, what about Nate Pearson? You didn't list him among your untouchables. No, Is trade he a guy ass. you, you trade you'd move? Trade his ass. Trade his I, ass. Let I, it, light him up. I, yeah. I, I think... I think that he's been a professional since 2017 and has thrown just over 200 innings. And at this point, you have to be willfully ignorant not to realize that the reliever risk is very real. Um, The stuff we know, it's exceptional. Uh, The ability to stay on the field is increasingly non-existent. And like with Kirk, uh, you know, I, 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 I believe in the talent, but... If you can get a controllable impact player who can help you reach the playoffs and potentially win the World Series in 2021 and contribute beyond, then you have to pull that trigger. That's fair enough. I think, um, again, we don't need to like run him down, but uh, I think that there's a, there's a chance that he's a guy who could bring you something pretty nice in return. Oh, yeah. For for all those reasons, right? Like for the, the stuff is crazy. And we were joking off the air about about Matt Harvey, right? Matt Harvey pitching forever. Guys forever getting chances because they throw hard and because of the, the potential of what could be locked inside. And Rowdy Telez is another example. Big guy, lots of power. Like he's going to get more than his share of chances, be it here or in the NPB, wherever it might be. But uh, <laughs> but uh, But Pearson is a guy that, Pearson is a guy that that will be hard to um, move, though. Then you're like it'd be hard to move on from. That's hard. That's a hard trade to make. That's a hard trigger to pull. To be like these guys, you know. While the game is full of guys who throw hard, and I've made this point about like Joel Piamps, for example. Joel Piamps throws 95 miles an hour. He has a wonderful changeup when it works, and his slider is nothing if not functional. And there are. Dozens of Joel Pyamps just floating around waiting for a job in the big leagues when he would have been like the best pitcher in the world, right? The best pitcher in the world with the stuff that he's got. But stuff is only, you know, and, and Pearson is on another level from that with his stuff. And the idea of somebody else being the one to put that together and unlock it and, and make him be the thing that he knows and, and it's obvious he could be. That's a difficult decision to make, and that's why uh, that's why those guys make the big bucks. Because I would not, you know, unless it's a, it's going to have to be a pretty significant piece. It's going to make my team better now and in the future for me to let somebody like that go. Well, I mean, look, you're you're prepared to move him for like career one fifteen ERA plus Jose Barrios. Just Barrios can play. That's- he's having a he's improved. He can make the team better now and next year. 150. Don't give me his career numbers out of my face with his career numbers. He has consistently been good and seldom been great in his big league career. Does he need to be great? Is that what you're saying? You need to trade? You need to be getting something great? Well, that's what I was inferring from what you were saying, that it would be such an agonizing decision to move on from Nate Pearson that you'd have to get someone who's controllable and great. 
Great is a relative is a relative term. I, yeah. I think Bar- there aren't going to be many pitchers like who's better than Barrios. So like uh, is uh, I guess the the Rockies said Luis that Marquez, Her, yeah, yeah, Herman Marquez, Luis Castillo. But, but they said Marquez. The Rockies have been saying that he's not he's not going to be as, as if any Rockies front office goober has any credibility. They don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> That's true. But you you prefer uh, Marquez to to Barrios personally. Uh man. I, I think they're pretty similar, to be honest. I think I prefer Castillo to both of them, even though Castillo is having, I would say, the worst season of the three thus far. Uh, don't the Reds have a terrible defense behind him? Let's make excuses for Yeah, they're playing right. Eugenio Suarez at shortstop. I mean, how good could it possibly be? And the poor, desolate ghost of Joey Votto. Over there at that first base, first base, making like twenty five million dollars a year for the next like, like three seasons or something. Oh, it's fine. Him and his one hundred OPS plus. How dare you? That's Joey Votto. You don't you don't hey, just run I, his name I, through the mud like that. I would never. I would never. And I don't appreciate that characterization. But you did it. You no. you you who have seen him in the wild with a giant dog. Dude, uh, he was, okay, I, I have to share this story. It was like January of, I don't know what year it was, 2017. And I'm walking down Dundas Street West in downtown Toronto. And I see a large man approaching from the West, walking a black lab with like some huge cumbersome box under one arm. And I get closer and it's Joey Votto. And even though he's literally lugging an air conditioner and walking a dog, I had to be the schmuck who, who asked him for a handshake. And he, he obliged. He obliged because he's a good Canadian boy. I bet you that happens not often to him. I would agree. He's a, just a, uh, I mean, other than the fact that he's probably much larger than, than any regular, any person who hasn't seen him up close would appreciate. Like he's, he's, he's not so big. Like he's not Pascal Siakam, right? Like who's like, Oh my God, that guy's six foot 10. You yeah. know, that's not, that's not right. It's like he's six three and probably weighs like two thirty or two fifteen and is like all forearms and shoulders. But yeah. other than that, he's just like a, a an, an otherwise nondescript Italian guy with a big dog. <laughs> That's right. Which I mean, on, on Dundas West, the, they're a dime a dozen, right? He's got his Cialini jersey on underneath his uh, underneath his parka and his. Uh, He's yeah. going, he's going to get the air conditioner hooked up for Nona. She's it gets hot even in the winter. <laughs> it's getting hot. It's getting hot in there. Anyway, uh, I can't believe we've made it this whole thing. We haven't talked about soccer, which is not of any interest to you. By the way, hmm? more and more people are saying this. It's coming home. It is coming home. Uh, Fun fact, in 2016, when I went to see, uh, I attended a West Ham game in London, London, England. Uh, You did not come to that game, but you went to see Brentford. Come on, you Reds. The Brentford, uh, what are they, Brentford FC, yep. which is owned by the same guy that owns that weird little Dutch team or the weird little Danish team. So there's like a big Danish connection to to Brentford, where they treat those two teams as like a living stats lab and like a and like using different kind of analytics to evaluate talent, and that's how they sign players and they bring them through one at a time, and and that's where they got. Uh, uh, Saeed Ben Rama, who who plays for West Ham, who came through Brentford as well, who you may you may have seen back, maybe not twenty sixteen. God, that's so long ago now. Those uh, soccer Just players are like they're cooked by the time they're twenty seven. So, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> and anyway. I, th- I think Brentford FC moved into a new barn as well. 
Like the, the one that I saw up. them in. Yes, you're right. You're right. It's coming home. But uh, I think that's it. You got anything else? You got anything else that's, that's uh, any more bees in your bonnet? Like, again, uh, we, we haven't really solved the case of are the Blue Jays good enough to make an effort forward other than to say that it's worth making this year's team better so long as it maybe improves um, the 2022 Blue Jays as well, perhaps at the expense of the 2025 Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, they are eight games back of the division, but they're also exceedingly talented it, it's so funny and and i you know let's let's uh, real quick here's here's the field for the wild card spots you can you can include the red sox if or or maybe not for now they have a they have a decent little lead in the division so then you've got the rays the yankees the a's the mariners the blue jays cleveland and then maybe the angels so that's seven teams okay most so of those of teams suck it. Most of those teams suck. Seattle is not good at all. Seattle is, is riding here, as they say. They win. They are 19 in, and 7 in one-run games, which is the best kind of, uh, what do they call in hockey? They call it puck luck. Like, that's just, that's just pure chance. They, uh, they've, they have a, their run differential is, they have a negative run differential. Uh, so, so does Cleveland. So is Cleveland. Cleveland is not a team that's going to make any real effort. I think to improve, they're going to make the, an effort to get cheaper, as I think you noted on uh, on Twitter that that's that's job one for them. Um, this is sort of a transitional time for them as they're sort of they have to figure out what they're going to do with uh, Ramirez, as you said. Uh, you know, obviously they just traded Francisco Lindor. They have they lost Josh Naylor to that terrible injury, uh, so they're in a, they're in a bit of a bind. The Yankees. I mean, man, if you can figure out the Yankees, you can make yourself a lot of money because I cannot. I don't know what to make of them. They are. They're not that flawed. Good. Yeah. They're, but they're not flawed. that bad. Agreed. They can, they can go off and score runs on anybody at any time. Their bullpen or all Chapman, not the same since they banned the sticky stuff. Still a Raldis Chapman, but also still one of like a thousand extremely good relievers that the that the Yankees have. Yeah. You could pick a guy out of the Yankees bullpen, and he is the best reliever on the Blue Jays. You just put your name in a hat. And Chad Green, Jonathan Loisega, like it's stupid. They don't even have Zach Britton, and their bullpen is still ridiculous. Ridiculous, and and the starters are are uh, it's a real issue. But like man. Like there's no reason to believe that, that team can't just go off and and win, you know, fifty of their last eighty games. I like I I seriously believe that. I mean, would it shock gonna, me? They, it wouldn't shock yeah. me, but I just don't see it happening. Like, yeah, I I don't think DJ LeMayhew is what he looked like the last two seasons. You know, I I. Don't know what has happened to Gleyber Torres, but he just does not hit for even a modicum of power anymore. And they're down Aaron Hicks. Um, you know, Clint Frazier has turned into be has turned into a huge bust. Um, you know, that's it's they're just not as fearsome as you thought they would be. And between that and their woeful rotation, and by the way, Garrett Cole also hasn't been the same since the sticky mm-hmm. stuff ban came into effect. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely be in the wild card hunt, but the Blue Jays are better. The Blue Jays are a better team than the Yankees, so and the I don't even think, I don't even think it's close. So the Blue Jays. So we think the Blue Jays are a better team than the Yankees. We think the Blue Jays are a better team than Seattle. Seattle. The problem is that 
these the, the the issue is that this stuff is happening in real in real time in real life. So whether or not the the the, the Mariners are a fluke, they're still winning ball games. Whether or not they're just cheating their way through extra innings game extra inning games or or winning an, an exorbitant amount of one run games, those wins are still on the board. The Blue Jays still have to catch them and pass them. Th- that regression isn't necessarily going to come all at once here in in 2021 that they're the kind of team that will kind of pop up and win a bunch of games and then come back to earth next year which we've seen a million times with teams that have this great one run one run game uh record or 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 this sort of very good like all this team's just built different until they're not until the next until the calendar turns over but until they go away until that regression happens it's you, you there there there's just simply a, there's something that's in the blue jays way they're a barrier to the blue jays are the blue jays better than oakland I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, Oakland, I Oakland is always sneaky, competent. Um, and like you look at their lineup and there's maybe one or two household names, if that, and you're like, how is this team so good? Um, but I, I believe that the Blue Jays are better. If the Blue Jays win even half of the torturous, you know, one-run games, two-run games that they've blown... Mm-hmm. Like they are right there in the division race. They're like two games back or three games back. And Boston, by the way, has outperformed its Pythag record too. Like they've been incredibly fortunate with the so-called puck luck this year. But they are good. They score runs in bunches and their bullpen is not what it was last year. And their rotation uh, has a, has some question marks, but yep. like I don't think Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez is as bad as he looks right now. The thing about the A's, I'll say one thing before we move on from the A's, is the A's are the kind of team that will make a smart, savvy pickup to plug some of the holes that they may have around the diamond. If that means finding a shortstop that falls out of the sky, if that means doing like a really nice piece of business on some kind of a DH to kind of take over from, uh, from what's his name from, uh, from Mitch Moreland, who's hurt. Uh, Ellie Cruz. You know, yeah. Well, there you go. Right. Like that's just the kind of wild A's they zig when you think they're going to zag sort of thing that they can do. But also and, the, 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 sorry to interrupt, but no, I, no, I feel like the blue Jays are in a similar position in that. I don't know that they necessarily need to give up considerable long-term value to make this team optimized. Like they're Mm -hmm. incredibly talented as they are. Could they, yes, they need to upgrade the bullpen even further, even after adding Adam Simber and Trevor Richards, Uh, they could probably, they definitely need to add uh, another left-handed bat, whether that's a third baseman or a corner outfielder. Um, And they could probably stand to upgrade the fifth spot in the rotation as well. Cause Steven Matz has not been good since the end of April, but like, I think you can accomplish all those things without giving up any of those key long-term pieces that you value very highly internally. Or you do both. You acquire Joey Gallo. Yeah, do that. (laughs) And Ian Kennedy. Yeah, absolutely. And and maybe not the other, the pitcher. Caitlin wants the- Kyle Gibson? Gibson Not interested. Not interested. I mean, I I would not say no. Absolutely not. But- uh, but I guess then it's it's that question again. It just comes back to like, is it worth getting in and then hoping that you can beat the Rays? Then so then you've then you've you've resigned yourself to a short series or or uh, is it a short series this year? Is that what no, they're doing two out of three? No, it's no, just one back game. to the one game. Wild so card. one game against the Rays, maybe one game against the Red Sox, or one game against Oakland, or one game against Oakland. 
Um, that's no picnic. I wouldn't want to, God only knows the Rays are built for that kind of nonsense with their 35 man roster that they seemingly operate. No, no good players among that group of 35, but somehow a good team. Like I've, I've come, I've matured. I've grown a good team, a good team made up of bad players. Yep. And they've got, and like Wanda Franco Franco. is coming around. They just called up Vidal Bruhan too. Even though it, that might only be for a short time, but it's a, I mean, obviously, I, I'm in favor of them doing those things and, and making making bold moves that I think can get them into that conversation, into that picture this year, and then keep them there. I, I, I just I just think that their their trove of high upside prospects is so deep and so robust that like they could move Groshans or they can move Simeon Woods Richardson and. Oh, we're moving Simeon Woods Richardson now. He well, has two bad starts, and you're done with him. <laughs> well. <laughs> um. My point is that like they have a lot of really good prospects and they also have a lot of financial flexibility and they should use both of those things to, to their advantage. And, I, you know, they, I, they shouldn't be afraid to move their sixth best or their fifth best prospect. If it can bolster their chances of winning the world series in 2021, um, because you know what, their top five prospects are still really, really good. And, their major league core is really, really good too, and really young. And you're not mortgaging the future by trading away Orelvis Martinez or by trading away Jordan Groshans or by trading away Nate Pearson for that matter. How dare you trade away Orelvis Martinez? That's my guy right there. That's the guy that I'm. That's the one I want. To, I like I'm, him a I'm lot. How, how many shortstops do you to? want for 2023? How many guys he's can a, play he's shortstop? A, he's a third baseman. Yeah, well, so is Bo Bichette, but he's a second baseman. <laughs> Uh, so where's Austin Martin playing center field? I think that the Blue Jays have a lot. The, 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 well, yeah, we'll see about that. The val- like what we're what we're likely to see is that the Blue Jays have a glut of like forty five. Uh, what do they call it? FP OFP uh, OFP guys, fifty OFP guys, forty OFP guys, like guys that have a lot of uh, a reasonably high floor. Right, guys who can be something for someone, like their A list guys and their B list guys, um, and when you can replenish and and develop and put young players in the position to make put to make themselves that, uh, you're in a good shape, I think, and you can make a lot of uh, smart and aggressive or daring moves without um, stripping the farm, you know. And I think we've seen teams like San Diego have been successful in doing that. Uh, and, and and building off that strength, and you know maybe a team like Atlanta, you surprised they don't do it more. But anyway, yeah, and I also think it's it's salient to keep in mind that the the acquisition cost for rentals seems to be continually going downwards. Like the, the San Diego Padres last year at the deadline, they added Austin Nola and they added Mike Clevenger, and the best prospect they gave up was Taylor Trammell, who was like a borderline top one hundred guy. Now those guys were controllable. Don't get me wrong, um, but I'm trying to think of like the last rental who commanded a, a truly outrageous haul. Like when Manny Machado was traded in 2018, who was mm-hmm. the best prospect that that Baltimore got back? Yadiel Alvarez. 
Like yeah, or when uh, like the Dodgers you traded and they got they traded Willie Calhoun, right? Who was having a good season here now in 2021, like four full years later. A guy who doesn't have a position, a guy who's who has never hasn't hit. Now again, a lot of that could be on the Rangers, uh, who are not able to develop talent because they are the Rangers and inevitably soaked in piss. Jonah, <laughs> I've taken enough of your time. Where can the people find you? These days. Yeah. Find me, find me on Twitter at Bierenball. Um, you know, if you like Simpsons memes and existential dread, then I'm your man. My friend, I hope you pitch well on Saturday. Thanks, I hope, you got Miguel. Is you throwing Miguel down there? I should hope so. I should hope so too. That's always fun. Man, yeah. that guy's got a hose. Uh, I will be with you in spirit. I will try to get out if I can. I told them to put me on like whatever the on-call list is, but nonetheless, uh, I really appreciate you coming on, my friend. It's always nice to talk to you and talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Jonah Birnbaum, everyone. My pleasure, man. Thanks so much for having me. And I thank you for uh, listening. And I can't wait to chat again with Caitlin McGrath this coming week and or at the probably at the end of the draft. So we'll talk about the draft. We'll talk about the first half on the very next edition of Spinback. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.